the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. It's earnings season. Yesterday, we got Google's earnings, which missed expectations, but the stock sold off, and the stock sold off a little bit today. Not much. The stock sell-off is telling you that it was a buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Now we have 90 more days until they have to, quote-unquote, tell the truth. And maybe we're saying, okay, the stock hit an all-time high yesterday, and for whatever reason, we're going to sell a little bit off today. That's normal and healthy. It's part of the process. I still own my shares at Google. Great Google and Moogla. I'm not concerned. When the company, when I start seeing margins decline or key CEO or executives leave or uh, real regulatory threat, when I start seeing people saying, you know, screw Google, I'm not like, if there's an anti-Google, you know how uh, red meat has beyond meat as the, the antithesis, the, the enemy. Same thing with Google. You're looking for that. you're looking for that evil. As soon as uh, we're like, well, I'm going to use this new website to search called Schmoogle because they're less than Google. I don't know. You give you an idea. Uh, so Google, a little bit of sell off, normal and healthy. Overall, this morning earnings from yesterday are reacting well. Now, I think one of the bigger stories right now. Um, I'm going through, and this is fantastic. I love Nextdoor. I think it's the funniest website on the, on the planet. It's it's unintentionally funny, right? Nextdoor, you sign up for, you put your address in, and your neighbors in a certain amount of a community kind of say, hey, does anyone know a good babysitter? Hey, uh, someone's dog pooped in my yard. Here's a picture of it. If anyone recognizes this poop, let me know. Those are the ones I love. But there was one yesterday where it was like, uh, I can't take it anymore. I need a a, a, a power wall, a, a wall of batteries outside my home. Tesla sells them. They're not selling terribly well, but Tesla sells them. Other companies sell generators. There was conversation yesterday called the decade of darkness. Now, this is the one I, I can get behind this story. So having lived in the Bay Area... For a while, and I, I brought up the next door thing because a woman's panicked. She hasn't had electricity for 24 hours, and she's essentially panicked. Okay, I, you see where I'm going out with this, right? So she's looking for anyone that will loan her a generator. She didn't offer to, to rent it. She said, can you loan it to me? Which, okay, sometimes maybe we don't have to make a little bit of money off of it, but it is a big-ticket big item, and I think people should try to do the right thing and, and make sure they're cool. I, I live on a, a street where literally the cutoff line is, I have power, my neighbor doesn't. I like my neighbor. 
I throw an extension cord over for him, and uh, he's powered his, his refrigerator with it until he gets power back. Uh, another neighbor I kind of like, and I threw an extension cord over to him. And uh, it's kind of funny, because the one I like, I'm like, ah, oh, neighbors, we do that for each other. The other one, I'm like, I hope he gets me a bottle of wine or something out of this, right? Um, we keep a scorecard. But a decade of darkness was a phrase that came out yesterday that I kind of love. We're in our second year. Okay, so two years ago, Santa Rosa basically had a lot of death and fire, right? A lot of houses lost. Wildfire. A lot of Southern California, too, but I'm talking about Northern California because it's my backyard. Um, Last year, we had the Paradise Fire, which... Did we learn anything from Santa Rosa? Enough, yeah. We we did better, but it was costly and there was, it was deadly. This one appears to be less deadly in 2019, um, and we seem to be getting better at like, how shall we say, responding to where the fire might not to where it may go, but we're putting more crews in neighborhoods so that one house doesn't start fire potentially, turning into five. So we're learning. And PGD is shutting off power. And yesterday they talked about it. They said it could be a decade of darkness. Uh, the CEO of Generac Holdings talked a little bit about this. He's like, Rob's neighbors in California, some of them have their lights off and they're complaining and they want power walls. So there's a company called Generac. They make generators. And he, the CEO of Generac said a comment by PGE CEO earlier this month said it could take 10 years to shore up the grid power enough to ratchet down the power shutoffs it's using to reduce the chances of its equipment will ignite wildfires during a windstorm. It is messy here. There's a guy named Judge Aldous who basically put PG&E in a position of liability. It's tough to figure out who's liable, in my opinion, when if PG&E were to say, okay, we'll take care of the power lines, but we're going to raise everyone's rate twice as much until we get them done. We'll do 10 years of work in one year. Would you freak out? You probably would. A lot of people wouldn't be able to afford energy. But that's what they should be able to do. If we're going to hold them liable, we should let them do what they want to do. Otherwise, if we're going to say you're only in a, then the state should be held liable. But the state doesn't want it because the state's kind of bankrupt, right? So who's here's the winner here. When you hear 10 years of darkness by PG&E, of rolling blackouts, and my neighbors freaked out from not having power for one day, You got to think about an investment in a company called Generac. $100 to $200 million of annual revenue is going to be coming into California when generally Generac used to sell a lot to the southeast and the coastal communities that were affected by hurricanes when they would lose power. Every now and then you hear about, you know, Long Island gets hit by a hurricane. This has never happened. Everyone goes out and buys generators. A house with a generator, a little bit more attractive than a house without a generator right now. If I were looking to buy a house, I'd be like, honey, we saw three houses today. Which one do you like the most? I'd be like, the one with the generator? Generac says they expect $2 billion in revenue this year with about 6,000 electricians nationwide helping to install the equipment. At the start of the year, there were only 100 people installing generators in California for Generac. Now there's 250. Am I telling you to go buy the stock? I'm not. I'm telling you there's a story stock. You should look at it. That's the long-term trend. If, if 10 years to, holds true, and if you believe in global warming and more power and more outages and stronger storms and more winter, 
I would get a generator for my my getaway house. I haven't because I haven't had that one bad year. But once I have that one bad year, like my neighbor had one bad day, I'm out. I'm out of 2000. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. The 2020 campaign is going to be a big story because in about a day or two, the calendar is going to turn over to November. And the next election is one year away. First Tuesday of, of every November, uh, first Tuesday of November, right? Or is it second? Oh, that would blow my mind if I remember that incorrectly. But way back when, 1928, a politician said, a chicken for every pot. That was a political ad in October of 1928. People wanted food. Now what do people want? Less debt, more opportunity, higher wages. Free medical care, free college. Vote for Hoover. Wages, dividends, progress, and prosperity. Isn't it interesting how political ads really don't ever change? They're pushing for prosperity then. They're pushing for prosperity now. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up in November. Last of the year. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. The internet in the last 25 years has been a great disruptor of the music industry, the media industry across the whole. Take a look at Netflix and what they did. Once a physical company went very much so online, but did you know about them? That's the big thing. You see all these influencers, and you're like, wow, Olivia Jade has a million followers. How did people find her? That's the big thing. You could have digital disruption, but can people find you? Let's talk with the CEO, Bernard May of National Positions, a leading national digital marketing agency specializing in growth businesses. Let's talk a little bit about what you do. Sir, how are you, Mr. May? Good morning, Rob. Great to be on the show. Um, yeah, we are all about growing businesses online, and uh, we're just really excited right now about the upcoming holiday season and how to help companies grow their online business and uh, best practices around the holiday season right now. I have personally so, spent a lot of money recently thinking about a new concept of financial marketing media. And part of it is figuring out, you know, pay-per-click content marketing, web design, video marketing, social media, optimization of search, online reputation, super important. This is what you do at National Positions. Tell us a little bit more about people trying to get their message out and why they're using you, Mr. May. Yeah, so um, people are all trying to increase and grow their business and there, uh, as you mentioned, these are all the tactics that people would use online. Uh, social media, for instance, is a very exciting area right now. Uh, with uh, Facebook and Instagram, there's an incredible targeting power with these types of uh, programs. And uh, you know, Amazon is obviously seeing a huge amount of growth uh, as well. In fact, this holiday season, we're excited because this is going to be the first time that there are projections that there will be more sales online than offline uh, this year. 
So, you know, there are a lot of different tactics that people can take to be really successful online. Of course, uh, mobile optimization is really, really important. And according to Google, over 60% of all retail sales are going to be on mobile devices. Uh, so obviously having a great mobile environment and having a fast loading mobile site is going to be absolutely imperative uh, in this uh, upcoming holiday season. And then, of course, on uh, social media itself, uh, there's some really uh, interesting things with uh, Instagram now offering the capability to sell online uh, directly off of Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest both having opportunities for you to buy online directly. So these are all areas that uh, you know we look at uh, that are really uh, very, very interesting. And of course, email continues to be a very, very cheap way to re-engage with loyal customers and to get out there and get the message across to individuals who've purchased from you before. Um, and uh, then there's uh, obviously the idea of having an omni-channel approach. You'd mentioned a lot of different types of marketing tactics out there. Sure. And you know when people buy, they don't buy from just one one uh, one place or use one medium. They'll go to their phone. They'll check on Amazon. They'll watch videos on YouTube. So this whole idea of cross-channel marketing is really really important. It can make a huge difference. So if people really want to capture market share, they need to have this kind of omni-channel or many-channel approach, which includes social media, Amazon, Google, and as you mentioned, influencer marketing as well. So uh, it's, you know, it's really important to be in front of people and retarget them, and, and, and uh, those are some of the tactics to, to help people grow. I'm speaking with Bernard May, CEO of National Positions, nationalpositions.com. 25 years ago, I worked with a company that said, if, you're not, if you don't have a .com, you're a .nothing. But now it's more complicated by that than that, and your company, National Positions, really enters into that. My children want to grow up to be influencers, which is insane to me because that doesn't make sense, but it does. Um, the internet is a great disruptor. It gives a chance for a company that has no business being global to go global. It gives opportunity in all sorts of markets that you're working in, whether it be travel or entertainment or beauty or fitness. If you have a good idea, you got to get it out to the people, and that's what your company does. Uh, give us a little bit more about some of the best practices, maybe, Bernard, that uh, people need to start thinking about when they're, they're integrating all the new technologies of today and all the new technologies of tomorrow. Yeah, so some of the, um, the best uh, practices, uh, well, you mentioned influencers. One of the areas uh, for influencer marketing is to, is to make sure that you have something that's really relevant to talk about and that you have the reach out there in the marketplace and that people actually interact with your brand. So that's the resonance part. Those are the kind of three R's of uh, influencer marketing. But some of the other areas are, depending on uh, whether you, and, and some of these are, are fairly simple, but you know, email uh, is an, and marketing automation, having this one-to-one -one conversation with people, having this really personalized uh, interaction so that people feel like you having the same feel that you would have if you went into a normal retail store is really important. Uh, your website, it, as I mentioned earlier, mobile, having a mobile website 
that is well optimized is really important, that it loads fast, and making sure that you're remarketing to people, that people aren't going to buy always on the first go-round. They're going to come to your website, they're going to check out your site, and then you want to be in front of them all the time by having those ads that seem to show up and follow you around the web. Those are highly, highly impactful. And then reviews are so important today. Today, almost everyone makes decisions off of product reviews, especially on Amazon. And in fact, reviews sometimes are more valuable to get the message out there than even speaking to friends and families. So it's, uh, and and one one of the challenges that people have is that uh, people are more apt to leave a negative review than they are a positive review. And that's why we always recommend that people ask for reviews from all their customers. And you can do that through marketing automation. You can do that through automated email. And, and even by putting uh, inserts into your packaging and asking customers for reviews. I've seen um, that. I didn't know that was a strategy. Bernard, you have an opportunity to give people a free retail guide to prepare their websites for the holidays. We've got less than about 40 seconds. Tell us how we can get that copy. Yeah, so I'd, I encourage listeners to stay interested. You know, we have so many great tips in there to go to nationalpositions.com forward slash playbook. Um, we have this free holiday marketing playbook. It's full of great tactics that can help you this holiday season. Thanks. And if you're also looking for some help... That's all, Bernard. Thanks. Bernard May, nationalpositions.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Every day I start my trek down Wall Street on Every single day. Some days I get to it second or third, but usually right off top of the bat. Page one from briefing.com, written by the one, the only Patrick O'Hare, the first headline that jumped out at me. Grubhub and beyond meat stocks are getting uh, murderlated, massacred. It's a bad day. It's one of the reasons I stay away from IPOs until they're at least one year old, just so they have a little bit of trading history. Let's bring in the one, the only, the man who woke me up with a shocking headline about beyond meat, Patrick O'Hare. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Great to be back with you. So last year, 2019, I have a, I have a big audience. There's a police officer who really wanted to own Beyond Meat. And I was like, if you buy it, buy a little bit of it. It's a moonshot right now. When it ends, it's going to be ugly. But I don't know if it'll ever end, but it should end because they always end. I wonder what he's thinking right now. So the Beyond Meat stock isn't working, but the Beyond Meat concept is. What are your thoughts about Grubhub and Beyond Meat, these two kind of baby stocks that you talked about this morning in your page one column? Sure. So, well, you know, I think in the case of Beyond Meat, it's, it's another great example of a, of a, you know, a good company that, uh, you know, where the stock may not be so great. Um, and, you know, this was driven in large part by just so much speculation and um, that was, that followed the stock's IPO. Um you know, I remember writing in the big picture column, and uh, coincidentally, July 26th when it was posted, that was the prior all-time high in the S&P 500. And I suggested the market was kind of getting a little uh, uh, loosey goosey in a way, very complacent, and, and that it was acting as if it was kind of like marching down a, a conga line to any bit of, of news. And I said at the front of that conga line was Beyond Meat, and uh, the, the stock was at 
$232 that day. Um, you know, it's now trading below $90. And, and really, the, the point is that, you know, what it held out there for readers at the time is that you, you see this year in and year out, right? You, market just grabs onto a great story um, and, uh, and rides it for all it's worth until there's no greater fool to be found. And, uh, and there's, there's real you know, there's a real level of, of high risk involved here when you're playing that game. And if you get left holding the bag, it's going to hurt. And, uh, and, and that's what we've seen happen with, you know, a stock like Beyond Meat, which, you know, can do something entirely different from what's going on with what's, you know, with the company itself. You know, the company is doing okay, um, has a great product and, uh, you know, and is executing well, but the market just got way ahead of itself in, in discounting the uh, growth potential of that company. And, and in the case of Grubhub, you know, it's, it's, it's another one of those, those story stocks, um, seemingly a, you know, very compelling growth opportunity, but like, like anything else, when there's excess uh, growth, you're going to get more competitors coming into that space. And, and that's one of the things that's impacting Grubhub right now is that there's really not a lot of differentiation. Uh, you know, diners just simply want their food quickest, you know, hottest, whatever, and, and the best fashion possible, and, you know, aren't caring who delivers it necessarily. Uh, and, uh, and when the competition heats up, these companies have to invest more to kind of stay ahead of that, uh, to try to stay ahead of the competition, and that's coming at a really high cost for Grubhub, and um, they issued some really disappointing guidance, and uh, consequently, you know, that stock's getting hammered as well. It's kind of a bad day to be a millennial investor. If you're under 35, you love Grubhub because, in theory, the cliche is they don't go out. They just stay at home and have the food brought to them. They don't cook. They like the, the service. And uh, Beyond Meat, it seems to be a very millennial thing, too. Leave the planet in a better shape with less uh, flatulence from cows. And it shows you that, that trend investing is not not always the right way to go. Sometimes you have to go bottom line. But moving forward, uh, it seems like the political atmosphere now, we're about a year away. What are you expecting for 2020 as far as we have a very extreme left candidate right now, Warren, and a very extreme right candidate, Trump, who are leading their polls? Um, Is that good, bad for the markets? What do you think? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's always a difficult question to answer. Yeah. I think it's the way you framed it, though. Um, it, it you know probably implies you're going to see quite a bit of volatility. You know, when you have candidates on either side of the of the aisle that are at the you know extreme sides of those aisles, um, and and you'll get polling information that kind of projects you know how they're tracking you know amongst the voting public, uh, and the, the market will respond accordingly to that, you know, and then layered in on all of that, though, you still have actual hard economic data that's going to be coming in that's going to either enhance or or detract from the uh, incumbent's chances of being reelected. And so, um, so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to handicap. Um, and, and given that we are still, you know, about a year out, I mean, the Democrats haven't even named their nominee. You know, it's a lot of speculation right sure. now as to who it could be uh, based on polling data. But I think uh, the market's kind of going to kind of sort of separate that, you know, 
keep it to the side until it has some really uh, a good perspective on who the actual nominee is on the Democratic side, what policies are being advanced, and and then how they compare to um, you know President Trump's, and then the market will uh, certainly get more reactive as we get closer to that actual election, and 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 what's going to be impactful as well is what's happening with the economy uh, in the the months, uh, the few months leading up to that to that election. It's an interesting note, and I don't like talking politics either on air, um, especially in California, because unlike where you are, you have Republicans and Democrats. We've got Democrats and liberals, and the, they hate each other just as much as the Republicans and Democrats do. But that's all I'm going to say. Uh, moving sure. forward, uh, your page one is filled with some good news. General Motors, MasterCard, Kellogg, Corning, all very different sectors, all very different kind of companies. Um, obviously, a finance one, a food products, uh, automobile, employs a lot of people. Corning, a lot of tech products use their glass. Um, things are good, though, right? <laughs> Question mark. Well, you know, they, they're, they're you're certainly good relative to what the prevailing expectations are. And to, to be, you know, honest, you know, I haven't had a chance to, like, look at, you know, each of those reports individually to, to really kind of uh, discern how they've done on a year-over-year basis. But, um, you know, but each of those companies certainly um, did okay relative to what, you know, analysts were expecting for this period. And uh, and that accounts for something, you know, um, certainly in, a, in the short term, and especially when, you know, stocks have been sold off ahead of those announcements. So, so I have to take a closer look there, but it kind of, kind of fits with the general tone of the earnings reporting season where you are getting, you know, most companies reporting better than expected uh, earnings, which is, uh, you know, again, it, it's, that's really never a, a huge surprise, you know, in an earnings reporting period. You get analysts, they lower their numbers, you know, ahead of the quarter, uh, ahead of the reports as they've had, you know, more complete information to uh, factor into their models. And, and oftentimes, they they, you know, they take them down too much, so you, you get a very low hurdle, uh, and uh, and companies, you know, seventy five percent of the time usually, you know, are are hurdling that low hurdle. So it it's good, you know, it's nice to see that it's better relative to estimates, but um, but it may not necessarily be good in an absolute sense when you look at things on a year over year basis. <laughs> Sounds good. I've been hoarding my questions with you. Um, not hoarding. I've been exploiting you and asking everything that I want to know. What do you want to talk about at this point in time? We're in earnings season, end of the year. Anything on your mind that you're working on that you want to share with us? Well, you know, I think I, most of your listeners are probably aware now, you know, the S&P 500 broke out to a new all-time high yesterday, uh, which is really remarkable when you take into account that you are on track for three straight quarters of no earnings growth. Uh, when you throw into the mix what's going on with uh, the trade issues, uh, Brexit uncertainty, uh, worries about a slowdown in the U.S. economy, and I think it just simply reflects really what uh, the value of uh, low interest rates does for this market, and and it also reflects this um, uh, seemingly undying hope that uh, that the Fed's monetary policy will buy the economy enough time to um, to reaccelerate and so that you get better earnings growth in 2020, and that's what's factoring in here. So we're going to keep a close eye on what the uh, FOMC talks about uh, tomorrow uh, and where it's going with its monetary policy. And then, obviously, you've got Apple's uh, earnings after the, the close on Wednesday, and it'll be interesting to see how that stock reacts, given that it has done it's just been a monster here uh, through October, uh, trading at an all-time high, and uh, be interesting to see how that stock reacts to the 
to the earnings report and what that does to um, to other companies in the industry. Yeah, so it's kind of all boiling down to you. If I could put words in your mouth, Apple and FOMC are the real stories this week. Political noise in the background, not so much. You seem to be scratching your head why the stock market's hitting all-time highs with three quarters of no earnings growth, but you're going with it because that's what you do. Um, is that fair to say? Is that, did I boil well, it down okay? I mean- yeah, I mean, you have to take a step back. I mean, you have to respect the market action, and you do kind of have to, though, uh, try and figure out, though, if, if this is the really ultimately the right reaction. But the you know uh, the collective uh, wisdom of the market, you know, certainly cannot be dismissed in its entirety. And um, and you know, just based on what you're seeing in this price action, you can clearly see that uh, the collective wisdom of the market is suggesting that things will get better down the road, and and but it'll adjust accordingly if that uh, ends up not being the case. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Definitely nothing spooky going on today. Have a good Halloween, sir. Enjoy that time with your family. But um, it's interesting. I start my day every day reading his stuff. I could talk to Patrick O'Hare every single day if I could. I would love that. One day when I'm done with radio, I'm going to miss it. I may have to pick up the phone and give him a call because... Again, three straight quarters of not a lot of earnings growth, and yet the stock market's still rocketing higher. That should be sign for concern, or at least respect. He said, respect the market. Maybe it knows something you don't about the next six months. Oh, good times. Beyond Meat's down 18 bucks, down 17%, almost 20% today. Apple's taking a little bit off right before the report earnings tonight. The drama. You can find out more about Briefing by going to briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Interesting headlines out there. Jewel is confirming plans to cut 500 jobs as it prepares for a ban on flavored pods, which makes up about 80% of its sales. 80% of their sales going bye-bye. They're cutting 500 jobs. Now, again... I'm not going to say it's the law of unintended consequences, but we knew that Jewel was getting in trouble with regulations. We knew that the candy-flavored pods was a bad idea. And it seemed like it was going to be on ballots, and people were going to fight about it. And then, boom, kids started dying from lung illnesses. And that party's over. It strangely takes death to motivate politicians. Now, how do you feel about 500 people losing their jobs? I'm not going to say that 500 men are going to go home and hit their wives like you'd see in a 1970s or 1980s TV show. I lost my job today. Bring me a drink and a steak and woman, do it now. Kind of thing. Like, I don't I don't want you to go that extreme in your head of what a lost job is. But how do you feel about it? Like, this is people's lives, right? 28 percent of millennials have only paid off their student loans thanks to help from friends and family. Interesting, right? Um, I was watching a TV show. I don't even know what I was watching. But it was it was basically said, you know, now go get a job to their kid. Getting a job may or may not pay off that uh, college debt. Roku's smart sound bar and wireless subwoofer pack quality sound and features it into an affordable package. Interesting, right? We're buying thinner and thinner TVs because they're thinner and thinner. One of the things that you want bigger and bigger is the sound. But because it's getting thinner and thinner, we're saying, okay, the sound isn't going to go in the TV anymore. We're going to sell you a second product, a sound bar. 
$179 each or $299 purchase a pair, the soundbar and subwoofer. Follow the release of Roku TV wireless speakers. So Roku's no longer just selling that hardware, which of note, they too are a lot like Apple. They're saying update your Apple iPhone 5 now if you still have it. This is your last software update you're ever going to get. So I, I don't know if that's exactly true, but I saw that message going through yesterday. So in the future, Apple's going to say, well, we can't really protect you, so we, dev- we advise you to go get new hardware. Roku's doing that too. I saw a notice for one of the very first uh, products that they released five or six years ago that they said it will no longer support Netflix. And Apple just launched Apple TV and iTunes on Roku players. So Roku's going to start getting refresh cycles because those apps need more attention, more love, more power to work as we want them to. So, again, I bring up Roku for a couple reasons. Do you remember last year there was a company called Sonos that came public? They're out of Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara! And uh, they make high-quality speakers. But when push games to shove, I'm like, okay, how many types of speakers do I want? Do I want the best buy wireless speaker who it's it's not quite name brand? Do I want the Apple one, the AirPod? Not the AirPod. What is their speaker? The HomePod. Ugh, the names of these things. Or do I want the Google speakers? Or do I want the Roku speakers to go with my... Like, it's, it's kind of stupid, right? So I bring that up. Okay, what type of person are you? This is going to tell me everything. Apple has come up with new AirPods. They're 250 bucks compared to $160, I think, for the other version. Apple announced a new AirPods Pro, which cost nearly $100 more than regular AirPods. They go on sale October 30. So you can get the brand new ones. It's going to have noise cancellation. It's going to sound a bit better. Which one do you want? Do you want to spend $100 more or do you want to spend $100 less? That tells me everything about you. If you're like, I'm okay with last year's product, I love you. You're the smartest financial person ever. We were meant to be. But if you're going for the AirPods Pro, $250, I love you. You love quality like me. We're the same exact people. I'm going to pay for expensive stuff to go in my ear. I'm going to hold on to my old AirPods for another cycle. They still sound good to me. I know you're saying, boring. I thought you had enough money that you could poop it away, Rob. What type of person are you? Amazon's going to start. They said that uh, they're not happy with the way that defense contract went to Microsoft, so they're going to file an appeal on that whole process. They think Trump screwed them out of a $10 billion deal. Huh. (laughs) Are you with me? Sometimes that's all you can say is, huh. Markets are positive. They're getting stronger today. We're in earnings season. Apple's coming out with their numbers. They're dipping a little bit before their earnings. Buy on the news, buy on the rumor, sell on the news, right? That's probably what we're seeing here. It's had a big run-up. Unless they come out and say their new AirPods cure cancer. Speaking of cancer, holy mackerel. The stand-up to cancer thing that Major League Baseball does. Uh, There's a big hullabaloo about the other night. Two women got behind home plate and lifted their shirts during the pitch from the Houston Astros, and they got banned from baseball for life. 
And baseball made a big deal out of breast cancer awareness. You know, my mom died of breast cancer and people holding up signs. I'm, I'm standing up for this. I'm standing up for that. You go to Europe and you see topless women everywhere. What's the big deal? Banned for life. We're a silly country at time when you're talking about flesh. Anyhow, 93% of millennials are aware of their credit score. Are you? And now I ask the question of why do you care? Well, you care if you're buying a house or a car or you're getting an apartment, but should it be 93%? Should we be hyper-focused on it? And the answer is no. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Tonight, Apple's going to report their numbers. Pay attention to it. It'll give you a good idea of how the trade war is going. It'll give you a good idea of how companies try to circumvent political uh, maneuvers. Beyond Meat down 20% today despite solid results. Insiders rushing for the door. That will become a very interesting stock very soon after the insiders clear out. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com.